Welcome, Christian Israel, Pastor Eli James here, along with Michael Sweden, and uh, we're going to have a, a really packed show today uh, uh, with all kinds of great information about the Masoretic text versus the Septuagint, and most Christians have no idea of the extent to which the King James Version and other versions of Scripture uh, have been nothing but uh, uh, distorted uh, teaching, and uh, it's based on the Masoretic text, which is a Jewish uh, c- perversion of the original Hebrew. How are you doing today, Michael? I'm doing very good. This yeah. last day of this uh, of oh, this yeah. year of this now the calendar. I forgot which one you not. Uh, uh, yeah, in, in this calendar we use now is this Catholic calendar. This Catholic right. counting. So, but yes, the last day in 2023, and we hope 2024 will be a better yeah. year for us. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's actually bad news in uh, London and Paris and parts of Europe because. They've had flooding. The uh, subway in London got flooded, and the uh, uh, likewise in Paris got flooded. So people can't get to Disneyland. <laughs> they can't get to the airport. And so, oh, it's a traveling nightmare because uh, people are stranded because they can't get to the airport and stuff. So, wow, wow. Uh, so Yahweh is putting the kibosh on this New Year's Eve celebration. I don't know about New York City. But maybe something will happen there too. Okay, <laughs> all right. So, good day, everybody in uh, in uh, Yahweh Land in uh, Eurofolk Radio Land. I just wanted to do a quick report on the fact that the uh, NFL is losing customers big time because, as you know, the last uh, during COVID and even before, they've been trying to push. Uh, well, the NFL is actually the Negro Felon League. And the, the whole purpose of the NFL is to promote racial integration and nothing more, okay? That's what it's all about. So uh, there's uh, an item here that uh, teams, <laughs> NFL teams struggling to sell tickets after full embrace of BLM. Uh, BLM, what's BLM? Uh, blacks uh, looking for money, <laughs> welfare money, all right? The, the NFL's embrace of BLM protests and anti-police sentiments has led to a decline in stadium attendance. The intrusion of politics into football has been criticized by various political affiliations, resulting in empty seats at games. Hooray! Hooray! And uh, as I've been reporting, the lawsuit filed by John Gruden against the NFL for singling him out because he had a couple of emails uh, you know, uh, that were unfriendly to certain black people. Nevertheless, they, they, uh, they treated uh, Dan, the owner of the Washington Commandos, or whatever they're called these days, uh, who had sex parties in, uh, in Central America covered up by the NFL. Oh, man. Okay, you see the corruption in the NFL. Hey, how is sports, how is sports in Sweden, Michael? Um, unfortunately, it's a bit. It is a bit the same. Okay. Um, maybe this corruptness. I am not following uh, what I say professional sport at so much because I'm not very interested in this. What I say, yeah. uh, brisket and circus. This is brisket right. and circus, right. and I'm not so interested in it. Uh, so I am not followed too much, but I know we have the same tendencies here as in America, where you're having a lot of black players 
in the in the sport. So basically, yeah. there are very few Swedish players in the in upper. Um, they buy in those Africans. Yeah, right. Okay. So yeah, it's so. the same. It's but then I think in hockey, then it's more white people that does the hockey. Right. Right. Yeah. The, ho- hockey is a white sport. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's one good thing, right? But all the other sports, I, actually, I've noticed that professional baseball in America has gone more white as well. I'm not sure what the reason is. I think probably because uh, black athletes make more money in basketball and football than they would in baseball. So uh, uh, the Chicago Cubs have a virtually 100% uh, white lineup, right? <laughs> so, which is very good. So, anyway. So we're seeing the uh, Black Lives Matter, which are communists and Satanists. That's what they are, folks. Black Lives Matter, the, the ladies that run that are self-proclaimed communists and Satanists. So, and of course, uh, I'm trying to think who that was, uh, the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers that led the uh, kneel down. They refused to uh, uh, stand up. Uh-huh. For, yeah. He's refused to stand up for the national anthem. He was a downright communist, you know, total communist. He would go to uh, you know, media presentations wearing a Che Guevara hat, right, you know, promoting his communism. The mass media refused to talk about him being a communist, but the, I'm sure a lot of the, the people in the stands realized that he was a communist. So, again, mass media manipulation of the news is what the Jews are all about. And uh, but that's that's falling apart because every single uh, subterfuge that has come into their minds to promote racial integration is now unraveling. Michael, it's unraveling. It's good to see. Yeah, unfortunately, though, there are so many many of those uh, other what to say those uh, either races here in Sweden, like Arabs, Africans, all start come here, and right. they're so much more than we, and they make what to say make more babies. We maybe have two, <laughs> they make eight, right? So, exactly. So we so we are we are by fifteen years, Sweden will be um, a country in an Africa status. Because we have right. declined so much, yeah. uh, if this we need to have some kind of um, awakening, something uh, a divine intervention from Yahweh is needed. Amen, amen. For our people, I, I don't know. I cannot see it in another way because, or the yeah, if the economy collapsed, then maybe this. But that's apparently apparently the only thing I think can make wake up some sweets because they are so narcissistic, only about themselves, their money, their stuff, their stuff, their travels, etc., etc. So they are too narcissistic to care today. Yeah. So it need to be a collapse in the economy. Amen. Well, it is collapsing, and uh, there's nothing anybody can do about it. Well, I found the item about the 1,000 stranders and New Year's Eve plans ruined after Eurostar cancels all services. New Year's Eve plans have been left in tatters for thousands after a train tunnel flooded under the River Thames in London. Oh, my God. Eurostar and Southeastern have been forced to cancel services to and from St. Pancras International after the tracks were completely submerged underwater after a pipe burst. Okay. Uh, I shouldn't be. What's that? Schadenfreude. I shouldn't be laughing at other people's pain, right? (laughs) But I can't help laughing at the trouble that the uh, Jew World Order is getting into. Anyway, thousands of passengers have been left stranded on Saturday morning with some left in tears after trips to Disneyland Paris were ruined. 
Two newlyweds visiting from New York said they plan to see in the new year in the French capital, but their plans for the big day have been totally scuppered. Nicole Correa, not 29, and husband Christopher were due to catch a train on Saturday morning, but they've now had to rebook for 2.30 p.m. on Sunday. They hope to spend their day in Disney theme park and have also been left out of pocket for a non-refundable hotel booked in Paris for tonight. Oh, the joys of traveling overseas. Your comment on this one. Yeah, but here, here you see this is this kind of, um, as you say, this kind of installment, this kind of uh, this tunneling project is is built by white. It shows our in, ingenuity yeah, uh, to right. building to building projects. No one else can dust. No one else does this. No one else can do this kind of stuff. And who will repair this? Well, it won't be any Arabs and any Africans no. doing it. For, no, sure. for sure, the, this will be white people that will go down and, and do the repair work here, and yeah, yeah but it's a, it's not so funny for the one that are affected. I, yeah. um, how many how many did you say was affected? Ten thousand? Yeah, many thousands. It says here. Yeah, I so, read here uh, yeah, on so you know, thirty thousand. They say you know, yeah. in this Swedish, but it's a newspaper. So I don't know if I believe, it, but it could be <laughs> if it is many that are affected in a way on this. So, and it also showed yeah. the fragility in the system when those kind of stuff happens. Right. It does. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah. yeah, I can just... I gar- yeah. Mm-hmm. Continue. Yeah, I was. Uh, I guarantee you that it's going to be white workers that are going to make have to make those repairs, right? And there won't be any feminists making repairs either. <laughs> okay. All right, folks. Let's get real. Let's get real. Race is real, and not all races are the same. In fact, they're all different. Thank you very much. Okay. So let's get into today's topics. I think I, I, I want to start with the uh, ancient synagogue. Well, this was, um, yeah, we're almost through the ancient synagogue literary uh, sources, Bible, Jesus, Israel, Judea, diaspora. And we were in this article last week. And let me just uh, pick it up on a paragraph H. And let me put it in the uh, chat room again for those, because it's probably buried uh, up high. Let me copy it and put it in the chat room again so it's available for everybody. I can do it also. I, yeah. I'm in now, so I put it okay, in. Okay, very good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did it same. Simultaneously, we're on the same page. How about that, folks? <laughs> we're on the same page. All right. And so, H, Torah observant Judahites. That's the one problem with this site. It equates Jews with Judahites. Torah-observant Judahites can become true Israel once again. In other words, his idea of the Middle East at that time is, as most Judeo-Christians falsely believe, that all of those so-called Jews were Judahites or Israelites. They're totally ignorant of the Edomite connection to the Sanhedrin in the days that Yahshua Messiah walked the earth. They're totally ignorant of that. Okay. And then he says, the great olive tree allegory of Apostle Paul, Pharisee and tribe of Benjamin. He was only a Pharisee for a while. He, he did not finish his life as a Pharisee. He saw the light, so to speak, on the road to Damascus. And he was circumcised on the eighth day. Quote, but if some of the branches, no, not Jews, the some of the branches, we're talking about Zerah Judah. Then that's all we're talking about. Again, it shows that modern Judeo-Christians don't understand the history of the Bible. And uh, 
and this is what, something I've been stressing lately. The Bible is a history book. It's really the only religious book in the world that is, in fact, also a history book. The uh, Quran, the, uh, even the, the Hindu scriptures, uh, certainly, uh, what do you call it, uh, Judaism. It's all made up stuff. It's not history, where our book is true history. Correct, Michael? No, yeah, this is an, and that makes it much more fascinating to read when you know this is an accurate history book with prophecies, with history, yeah. and with also with some all the wisdom you have in Solomon's uh, uh, proverbs and in Psalms and Ecclesiastics. So you have also a lot of wisdom. So you have multifaceted book, and it's a it's a book that is living. It, That's right. Each time you open it up, you will see something new. So it's a living book also. So it's a very fascinating. Uh, book for sure and so yeah i uh, totally agree with you it's much better than any jewish book (laughs) oh yeah yeah and the bible is not a jewish book so this article is uh you know it's got some parasitic uh, infestation here he calls the uh judahites gentile christians no there is no such thing as a gentile okay so whenever nevertheless the information contained in this article about the Masoretic versus the Septuagint is truly awesome, okay? Now, and he just, but if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive were grafted in among them, so the the Judeos also they always forget that this is a broken off branch, this, this this broken off branch comes from the Judahite, the Israelite tree, does it not, Michael? Yeah, yeah, and we can also say for sure for Sarah Judah because he left earlier from Palestine because he didn't feel he had the same as Ferris, so he left and he right. formed right. Troy, later Rome, and then also I guess also uh, yeah. Ireland. So they have Britain. the thread and Britain, Britain. Yeah. yeah, and, and also and, yeah, and uh, Spain. So, and, and Spain. And we also have the, the, the branch of Dan that also left earlier. So they're mm-hmm. also part in this, this broken off branch that left, uh, left right. Palestine earlier because they didn't like slavery and, and they liked their boat. They, they took away the Vikings, you know. No, white people don't like slavery. <laughs> no, Although, we don't. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we have been tricked into it by the perfidious Jew. Wherever we have Jewish bankers, we are economic slaves. Okay. And yeah, but I'm, reality, I'm, folks. Go ahead. I just want to make, as I say, when you say white people don't like to be slaves, but why are we not rebelling today then? It's, yeah. ah, come on, today, the, the white people, ask, I don't know what happened to them. I must ask yeah. you when I meet him, uh, what, what has happened? Why are yeah. this, the, yeah. the white race so stupid and pathetic? Yeah. Well, what is with them? It's How can they Judeo- love like- Yeah, <laughs> it's called Judeo-Christianity, which is the false belief that the Jews are Israel and we are Gentiles. Okay, basically, we believe Jewish lies about the Bible and Jewish lies about economics, you know, brainwashing, brainwashing in all areas of life, including sports. However, the the sports brainwashing is starting to fade away. That's good. Okay, so he continues being a wild olive. We're grafted in among them. Well, they went wild. The the Judahites uh, before the uh, exodus. Uh, the, of uh, Zara Judah crossed the Mediterranean, founded all the nations we just discussed, and they became a wild olive tree. But the olive is a symbol of Israel. 
okay? And it's not a symbol of all races. It's a symbol of Israel, olive oil and all that stuff. Uh, there are symbols for Israel and there are symbols for non-Israel, okay? And, and became, guess, go ahead. Uh, and Eli, it's also because you have the olive branches in your in your enigma on on the American uh, on your flag. Yes, we do. Yes, exactly. Mm. The, the the national symbol of America, and it also includes the uh, well, it includes the um, the twelve tribes of Israel, right? So uh, it's a, I don't have it in front of me, but it's a, that's a study in itself. Maybe we could do that in a future episode. Okay, and then. Uh, and then uh, being a wild olive tree, we're grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree, which is Israel, folks. Do not be arrogant toward the branches, other other Judahites. But if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. And that he could also be including the dispersed tribes of Israel who are not of Judah, who are of the other 10 northern tribes the so-called dispersion, and, uh, you know, and uh, th- that's the issue that Peter and Paul had with each other. Peter did not want to accept the dispersed 10 northern tribes because they weren't practicing the law for the last 1,500 years, and Paul had to explain to him, oh, well, that the promise of Messiah was given before Moses gave the law, so you can't, you can't leave out the dispersed Israelites. Sorry, you can't leave them out. And Peter then understood Okay, and that's Acts chapter 10. That's what Acts chapter 10 is all about. It's not about grafting in Gentiles, okay? It's not about that at all. Okay, so you will say then, quote, Jews, the the branches were broken, but it doesn't say Jews, it simply says branches. Branches were broken off so that the Gentile Christians might be grafted in. This is his interpretation. No, it says nothing like that. So the dispersed Israelites might be grafted in. Quite right. They, the Judahites, were broken off in their unbelief way back, way back in uh, Egypt. And I think it could also count the Judahites that were living in Palestine and left Palestine because of the Greek invasion and the Roman invasion. They moved up to Rome. So you had two. Uh, branches of pure Judahites living in Roman territory, namely Zerah Judah from the before the Exodus and Pharaoh's Judah coming in from Ju- Judea. Okay, and these are all our people living in Rome. Okay, let, so let's continue. So you have to know this history, right? If you don't know history, you you can't possibly be a serious Christian. Okay, all right. And then he says, he puts it this way, which is actually uh, somewhat true. He will not spare you supposedly Gentile Christians either. Right, the Jew, the Judahites were broken off for their unbelief. But no, that's not necessarily true. Certainly the Zara Judah uh, people well, I forgot. There's no evidence that they uh, kept uh, well, they had no law anyway, because this was before the Exodus, right? So Zara Judah had no law. And they were just wild. They were wild, <laughs> wild olives, right? Okay, that's what they were. But uh, the ones from Zara Judah coming from Judea at that time, they had to leave because the Greeks had invaded, and it was uh, deadly to practice the Judahite religion in Judea at that time. And that continued with the Roman occupation, with a Roman slash Ju- uh, Judean, Edomite Judean, 
occupation of true Judahites, okay? So if you don't understand this history, you can't possibly explain what's going on, and you can see the difficulty contained in this uh, in this analysis here, because he does not understand. There is no such thing as a Gentile Christian. There's Judahite Christians, there's Israelite Christians, and the rest cannot be Christians, period, okay? All right. Well, you stand by your faith. Okay, do the best you can. Do not be conceited, but fear, for if God did not spare the natural branches, Judahites, he will not spare you, the dispersion, either. Behold, then, the kindness and severity of God to those who fell, Judahites, severity, but also uh, the, the dispersion as well. But to you, the dispersed Israelites, God's kindness, if you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. Yeah, okay. Oh, no. Don't the churches teach once saved, always saved? Yep. They all they, they have all those very dangerous doctrines that want to seduce the, the listeners. They think that, oh, I don't need to do anymore. I'm just saved. Oh, I'm yeah. born again. Oh, I don't need to yeah. do anything more. I can sit and listen in the pew, and then I can then I can go, go on and live as a devil. I can eat my ham uh, sandwiches. <laughs> I can eat the, the, the mushrooms, the the um, the uh, yeah. <laughs> the what was it the uh, and the um, and the I would say hummer the those lobsters <laughs> yeah yeah oh, lobsters right, and stuff like this the unclean food unclean all right. unclean food I can sit and I can do everything I want because I'm always saved and the law was done away with so uh, it's it's very uh, what to say uh, it's a very na- narrow it's oh. a very it's not so deep, this lake, what do you say? No, it's very, no, no, yeah, it's shallow. shallow it's shallow. Deep, yeah. it's, it's very shallow, so I can understand why they don't, they don't, <laughs> well, nothing happened with them. It's, it's so shallow. Yeah, it's extremely I, boring, very yeah. boring, I would say. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, like the world, it's superficial. It's like that guy in the video who got on his, on a, fro- a freezing cold day, got out of his uh, backyard swimming pool, got on the uh, jumping board, and took a dive, and he didn't realize that the that the the pool was covered with a layer of ice, right? <laughs> and he nearly cracked his skull open, but he survived, right? This is yeah. The Bible is a history book. It's a history book, unlike any other religion. The Bible is a history book, and it's the tracing the bloodlines that came out of Genesis three fifteen. That's what it's doing. Okay, so let me continue with this. And uh, so, uh, anyway, this gives us a real insight into how horribly the Judeo-Christians understand the Bible because they falsely differentiate between Jews and Gentiles, both of which are illegitimate words that do not belong in any translation because they're not in the original versions either, okay? Anyway, he says, if you continue in his kindness, otherwise you will also be cut off. Oh, but Jesus loves everybody, <laughs> even so. No, you will not find that uh, that slogan that says, love the sinner, hate the sin. You will not find that in the Bible, folks. So you can see how Judeo-Christianity has perverted the New Testament just as the Jews have perverted the Old Testament. Let's continue. And they, Judahites, also, if they, Judahites, do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. Yeah, well, you have to accept the fact 
that Yahshua the Messiah came and cleansed you of your old sins. If you don't accept that, you're still a heathen or a Jew. For God is able to graft them in again, okay? In again. He's talking about bringing them back in. For if you, not Gentile Christians, but the dispersed, were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree, yeah, they were became a wild olive tree because they never learned the law and were grafted contrary to nature into a, a cultivated olive tree. See, he's making a difference between a wild olive tree and a cultivated olive tree, not an apple tree or an orange tree or a pomegranate tree, etc. Okay. How much more will these Judahites who are the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree, seed of Abraham? For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery so that you will not be wise in your own estimation. You won't, in other words, he's counseling the house of Judah not to be arrogant in terms of the dispersed Israelites because their history is not any better. All right? Just look at the house of Judah and the way they sinned versus the house of Israel and how they sinned. But it was Yahweh's plan to uh, put us Israelites into Europe so we could fulfill the the prophecies made to Abraham, okay? And that we would be a a nation, a company of nations, and there would be billions of us running around where there's only like a handful of Jews, all right? So that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the nations has come in. Okay, so what's the fullness? It's not nation. It's not Gentiles, folks. The fullness of the nations. In other words, nations. I'm thinking he's talking about the Israelite nations. We're at the point right now in history where our nations are falling apart. Our nations are crumbling, and we're being invaded by non-Israelites, and our society is being destroyed as we speak. Okay, uh, ripen. We're our nations are overripe with all kinds of race mixing, you know, mixing the trees of the garden, okay? That's what we're doing, folks. And there's prophecies, especially Ephraim would mix his seed with that of non-Israelites. And so all Israel will be, no, no, not Jews, purely Israel. Forget about, he inserts the word Jews here. And so all Israel will be saved. That is all 12 tribes, just as it is written, the, the sorry, the deliverer from the standpoint of God's choice. They, true Israel, are beloved for the sake of the fathers, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Romans eleven seventeen through 29. Okay, now, before we get into the next section, Michael, to whom were the covenants and promises made? To Gentiles or to Israelites? No, the Israelites, not the yeah. nations. That's right. That's and right. Gentiles is a miss. This that word is a bit. It's, you're getting a bit. Uh, it would be better if it was nations instead, because that's where it is nations. Right. Because yeah. the Gentiles is saying something that then, and then of course, Jews use goy and calling yeah. us goyim. So it's uh, yeah, they are. But now, no, it's only for us, only for the Israelites. It's only given to us, and even if we, as I said, we were broken off like Sarah right. and Dan, they were, they were a bit wild, wilded, bewilded olive tree, but still olive tree. They were the same tree. They were the same kind, the same races. So when they have been accepted, Yeshua Messiah, Jesus Christ, that He had risen, and that He had forgot, forgiven their sins, then they are back in business. Would you say? Yeah. Now, uh, now, part three, uh, 
And we talked a lot about Justin Martyr last time, but uh, there's some more here about Justin Martyr, really good stuff, who did not accept the Jews as uh, as Israelites. Now, I'm not sure if he was racially aware at this point in time, but it sure sounds like he was. But uh, we're talking more here about the differentiation between the Septuagint and the Masoretic text now. Very, very important stuff because the, the, the title of today's show is the Masoretic text versus the Septuagint, part two. So let's get in. But first we had to differentiate between Jews and Judahites and Gentiles versus dispersion. That, the, the true division in Scripture is the latter two. There's no such thing as Jews versus Gentiles. Both of those two words are phony words grafted in, grafted onto Scripture, Michael, not part of the original Hebrew or Greek. All right. Well, why don't you take it here? Point number one. Oh, yeah, and because we, we talked at length last time uh, where the Jews want to scratch out the word virgin from Isaiah 7.14 and replace it with maiden or wench. All right. Right underneath that picture, pick it up there, number one, please. Number one. So, Justin Martyr took specific note that the use of his day, bracket, 150 AD, were changing the text of their own uh, Tanakha, bracket, Old Testament, and a bracket. But this is incorrect. This is incorrect because the use, this is not their text. So, no, they're corrupting our text. Exactly. That's the reality. And this is what most Judeos do not understand. There are theologians among them who understand this, but they won't teach it. Okay. No, mm-hmm. by 150 AD, there were no Judahites left. They were all Edomite Jews by this point in the time. Okay. Back to you. Uh, yes. Thank you. To counter the uh, connection with Jesus Christ and Old Testament prophecy. A. First, Justin Martha notes they are making changes to the Greek Septuagint, bracket, LXX, and bracket. <coughs> but You're since okay? there are thousands of copies in circulation around the world, they give up on that idea. Of course, they have gave up forever on the LXS and move it ex- exclusively to using the Hebrew text. Okay, just for those who aren't aware, the LXX means 70, and that refers to the Septuagint because there were 70 Judahite scribes that were sent to Egypt uh, at the behest of Ptolemy Philadelphus around 280 BC because he wanted a Greek copy of the Hebrew Old Testament. So it's strictly Old Testament. Back to you. Yes. And was this text that uh, Prothonomy was listening to, that he wanted to have, that the Judahite was, uh, yeah, they they did uh, translate for him? Yeah. He was a very scholarly person, and he had a large library, and he wanted the Hebrew scriptures as part of that library. And, of course, Napoleon, uh, when he invaded Egypt, he uh, had his cannoneers take pot shots at the library. I think the library was actually burned. Very little left of it. Uh, can you imagine? Uh, whenever an invading force comes in, the very first thing they do is burn all of the old records so that we can't study history properly. Okay? Napoleon yeah. did the same thing. Yeah. Didn't also Caesar burn part of the library too? Yeah. 
when he was down in 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 the same position, oh, yeah. I think he also did. Yeah, not the whole right. part. Not not like uh, maybe Napoleon did more than than what uh, Caesar yeah. did, but he also part of that was also destroyed due to Caesar's doing there. Yeah, yeah. and when the <laughs> Jews invaded Iraq during those two Gulf Wars, they destroyed lots of ancient artifacts. Really destroyed lots of ancient artifacts because they wanted to destroy our history. Okay, back to you. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Justin Martin was unaware of was uh, that the Jews were close, also making changes to their own Hebrew quote yeah. pre-corrupted Masoretic text. Our MG. yeah, our Hebrew, right? And <laughs> <laughs> bracket, right. okay. In whose uh, sole possession it was? Yeah. Now, by this time, the uh, the Jude- Judean uh, he, he and my Jews were the only ones that possessed any Hebrew texts anymore because the, the, the Christian Judahites fled. Uh, they fled to Pella when the, the Romans were attacking the city and the temple, and they got away, but the, the Edomites didn't get away because, for one thing, they're the ones who made a pact with the Romans, and they weren't sure whether the Romans would be friendly to them or not. And, uh, and it, turned, it turns out the, the Romans were no longer friendly with them, right? And so they had to flee also, but they didn't flee to Pella and to Europe as the Ju- Judahite Christians did. They went to their old stomping grounds in Babylon and to wherever they had their uh, yeshivas, uh, the areas where Babylonian Talmud was taught. That's where the Jews fled to. But they also fled to Rome because they could influence the the caesars with their money lending okay so they they went to rome as well but they had the ear of the uh the the caesar whereas the judahite christians did not they were just you know living in the country uh prospering and making rome uh, a prosperous place because they were the hardest working people okay unlike the jews who were practicing usury okay back to you Thank you. So, C, quote, until the second century AD, the Jewish university rearranged um, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, OT, as a faithful interpretation of the original Hebrew. Pilate and Josephus uh, lauded the Greek version. The Sanhedrin authorized it uh, to be read in the Greek-speaking synagogues. And the apostles quoted from it freely. Okay, let me interject here because... <coughs> You know, Philo has been accused of being a Jew, an Edomite Jew, and likewise Josephus. But in my study of these two gentlemen, uh, there's no doubt that Philo was a, a true Judahite living in Alexandria, because there were many Judahites living in Alexandria and all the way down the uh, up the Nile River for hundreds of miles. Okay, and they they brought up a Judahite culture there, not, not a heathen culture, a Judahite culture. And then uh, that, that's true for Philo. And Josephus was, according to his own reckoning, a direct descendant of the house of Judah, both uh, in terms of the priesthood and in terms of the uh, kingly line. So he was a Judahite, not a Jew also. Okay, back to you. Uh, thank you. So Russell notes that, quote, before the second uh, century of the Christian religion, no trace can be found 
of any controversy as to the difference uh, supposed to exist in the Greek and Hebrew text of the sacred books. And I'll quote, racket 216 and 129, and the racket, the unamanious uh, uh, Jewish approval of the uh, LXX uh, during the first four centuries on its existence can only be explained if it was a generally accurate translation of the Hebrew text in circulation during that time. That's correct. <clears throat> uh, what happened in the second century? The Palestinian Jews suddenly began repudiating the Ringland's translation of the uh, Greek Old Testament and replacing it with new translations. Bracket by Aquila um, Simachtus and uh, Theodotion and the racket. We shall explore the reasons for this uh, presently. And the quote. So, and uh, then we have a uh, bracket. Prime, primeval chronologically restored, re- revisiting the general genealogies of Genesis 5 and 11. Uh, Jeremy Sexton, Henry B. Smith, G.I. Bible, and Spade 29, number 2, page okay. 45, 216 A.D. Uh, bracket. Well, that looks like a really interesting book, Primeval Chronology Restored. I wonder if they restore it correctly like we have done, right? Okay. So, but of course, now there, there were probably still within the first century, possibly, some true Judahites mixed in with these Edomite Jews, but they would not have accompanied them to the various synagogues of the Middle East because, well, although, well, maybe I'm not quite accurate about that because Paul studied under uh, a rabbi, okay? Uh, That rabbi turned out to be not so horrible, but uh, if you uh, go to a rabbi today, it'll be nothing but slop, you know, absolute slop. It's called the Talmud. And so what he's getting at here is we're seeing at this point in time, the first 400 years post the execution of Christ is when this division between the Septuagint and the Masoretic text began to show up, okay? And obviously the Masoretic text is Jewish, not Christian or Judahite. Okay, number two. Oh, sorry. Justin yeah. Martis uh, charged Jews with altering the Greek Septuagint in their synagogues for anti-Christian purposes. Yeah, there amen. you go. That's yeah. what they have amen. always done. Justin Martyr documents this corruption of the Greek LXX Bible the Jews had been using for over 400 years in 150 AD. Yeah, it's actually the Judahites, not the Jews, but have been using that text. Okay, back to you. Yes, A, quote, so also was the prophecy beginning with the words, bracket, quote, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, quote, spoken of him. No, that's not possible. (laughs) Right? No, that never happened, did you say? Yeah, this is one that they have they have a hard time with the virgin birth. That is what oh, yeah, right. problem. Really hard time, right? Really hard time with that one. Okay. Please continue. Four. If the one of whom Isaiah spoke was not um to be born of a virgin, to whom did the Holy Spirit allude when he said, quote, Behold, 
the Lord himself give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And no quote. If he was uh, to be born of a human in, uh, of human intercourse, like any other firstborn son, why did God uh, solemnly announce that he would give a sign which is not common to all firstborn? What is truly a sign, and what was to be an irrefutable proof to all men, namely? That by means of a foreknown by the prophetic spirit before oh, it took wait, place. Wait, 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 wait! You got lost there. That by means of a virgin's womb. I think you jumped. Uh-huh. Oh, I, I jumped. I missed the line. <laughs> yeah, you missed the line. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That by means of a virgin womb, the firstborn of all creatures took flesh and truly become a man. Oh no, what? that's not possible, <laughs> Michael. The Jews don't believe in that at all. It's okay. a lot of things they don't believe. Yeah, yeah that's right. There's a, a ton of things they don't believe. All uh, right. Uh, was foreknown by the prophetic spirit before it took place and foretold by him in different ways, as I have explained to you. Indeed, he foretold this in order that uh, when it did take place, everyone would understand that it all happened by the power and purpose of the creator of the world. Amen. Just as Eve has made from one of Adam's ribs, and as all living beings were created by the word of God in the beginning. <coughs> oh, no, uh, but right, here. Right. <laughs> You're in the right uh, now. <laughs> You dare to distort the translation of this passage made by your elders at the court of Plutonomy, the Egyptian king, asserting that the real meaning of the scriptures is not as they translated it, but you'll read, quote, Behold, a young woman shall conceive, and the that's, quote. That's the way the Jews translate it, yes. Yeah, uh, as though something of extraordinary importance was signifying by a woman conceiving after sexual intercourse. Yeah. As no, old no. young women. Yeah. Nothing special about that, right? <laughs> okay. Except. Oops, I'm the, pregnant. Oh, no. Okay. Please continue. Except the baron can do. And even the baron can become fertile by the power of God. Samuel's mother, who had been sterile, gave birth to her child by the will of God. The same same thing can be said of the wife of the holy patriarch Abraham and of Elizabeth, who bear John the Baptist, and of many other women. You must realize, therefore, that nothing is impossible for God to do, if he wills it. And especially when it was prophesied that this would happen, you should not be venture to m- m- uh, mutilate yeah. or misinterpret the prophecies. For yeah. in so doing, you do not no, no harm to God, but only to yourselves. And unquote. Wow! Wow! What a fantastic statement by Justin Martyr. Okay, now from the dialogue with Trifo, the rabbinical Jew, okay, 150 AD. So you can see by 150 AD, the demarcation between Judahite Christians and Talmudic Jews has been firmly established. Okay, so Michael, question to you. Are the Talmudic Jews in any way Israel or Judah? No. Absolutely not. not. Not at all. Not at all. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, I have to interject here. I think we mentioned it last week. 
I'm not sure if this portion, uh, we're about uh, three quarters of the way through this article, but to to uh, underline the difference between the Septuagint version of Isaiah 7.14, Behold, a virgin shall conceive, the, the word in the Greek of the Septuagint is Parthenos. Parthenos clearly means virgin, a woman who has not engaged in sexual intercourse with a man. Parthenos, okay? Now, the I believe the Masoretic text uh, has distorted the original Hebrew and replaced, there's probably a different word in the Hebrew, and I'm sure there is, a different word in the Hebrew, which means virgin and nothing else, okay? And I'm sure the Masoretic text replaced that word with the Alma, which can mean a young woman. It can mean virgin, but it can also mean merely young woman or maiden, okay? I'm convinced that the Masoretic text doctored the text there. Back to you. Yes. So, A, quote, they have also deleted uh, these words from Jeremiah, and quote, I was... Nay, I was as a meek lamb that is carried to be sacrificed, sacrificial victim. They devised a counsel against me, saying, Come, let us put wood on his uh, bread and cut him off from the land of the living, and let his name be remembered no more. And quote. Since this passage from the words of Jeremiah is still found in some copies of Scripture in the Jewish synagogue, bracket, for it was deleted only a short time ago, and a bracket. And since it is also proven uh, from these words that the Jews planned to crucify Christ himself and to slay him, and since he is shown, as was likewise prophesied by Isaiah, as led like a lamb to slaughter, and in ac- accordance with this passage, he is marked as quote, an innocent lamb, end of quote. They are uh, so confused by such words that they resort to blasphemy, end of quote. Okay. And, and this is the end from the Justine dialogue with uh, Typho, the rabbinical Jew, 72, 150 AD. Uh, what a wonderful witness as to the early history of the breakup between the Edomite Jews and the Judahite Christians. Okay, I mean, this is excellent history. Again, as we started out saying, folks, the Bible is a history book, and if you don't know this kind of history, you will not understand the Bible. Back to you, Michael. Thank you. So, this is B, and quote, I certainly do not trust your teachers when they refuse to admit that the translation of the scriptures made by the 70 elders at the court of King Ptolemy of Egypt is a correct one and attempt to make their own translation. Mm-hmm. You should also know that they have deleted the entire passage from the, the version composed by those elders at the Count of Plotonomy, in which it is clearly indicated that the uh, crucified one was foretold as God and man, and as about to suffer death 
on the cross. But since I know that all you Jews deny the authenticity of these passages, I will not start a discussion about them, but I will limit the controversy to those passages which you admit as genuine. Thus far, you have admitted the authenticity of all my quotation, except this, quote, Behold, a virgin shall conceive, and quote, which you claim reads, quote, Behold, a young woman shall conceive, end of quote. And I promised to show that this prophecy was not spoken of Hezekiah, as you were taught, but of my Christ. This I now intend to prove, end of quote, bracket, Justin, dialogue with uh, Trifer, the rabbinical Jew, 71, 150 yeah. AD. Okay. Bracket. Very good. Outstanding. Folks, this is really outstanding history from this early time. And it's difficult to find documents like this that, uh, you know, from uh, Judahite Christians like Justin Martyr arguing against rabbinical Judaism. Okay. This type of literature is very, this is a diamond in the rough, folks, okay? This this article is a diamond in the rough. Let me pick it up from here, and we're leading up to break time anyway. Let me uh, go, I think I can squeeze in um, part three, um, paragraph three, parts A and B. Discussion about the Jews changing the Greek Bible in their synagogues. A. Jews today actually teach the fiction that the book of Isaiah was never translated into Greek by Judahites. In fact, Isaiah was in full circulation quite early, 200 B.C. The easiest way to prove that the book of Isaiah was translated long before Christ was born by Judahites, who put virgin into Isaiah 7.14, is Justin Martyr's charge that the Jews changed the word virgin in the LXX. And of course, they got their hands on the LXX and tried to doctor that as well. But as he said earlier, there were too many versions of the Septuagint floating around that it was just an impossible task for these Jews. If the Septuagint Isaiah was a Christian document as fiction writer Rabbi Tovia Singer uh, maintains, the Jews would have never allowed it into their synagogues in the first place. The fact that the, now it might have been Judahites among these Edomites in the very early days. The fact that the Jews, I'll just use his language, are altering the Greek Isaiah in all their synagogues from virgin to behold a young woman shall conceive in Greek is just another nail in the Tovia singer's coffin of his entire collection of silly, illogical, historical revisionist arguments. Indeed. He shows the same kind of integrity as his brothers in 150 AD who shamelessly corrupted their own Tanakh. It wasn't their own Tanakh, the, our Tanakh, out of hatred and jealousy of Christianity in order to impersonate us. B, since the Jewish and Christian versions differ at certain points, despite the still undisputed common reference to the Septuagint, Justin charged his dialogue partners with falsifying scripture. In contrast, the idea that his own text could contain Christian expansion does not occur to him. The falsification charge included two elements, translation, translational alterations, as, for example, in Isaiah 7.14, and omissions of so significant references to Christ. 
One, in no way will I allow myself to be convinced by your teachers, he's talking about the rabbis, who will not admit that the 70 elders of Ptolemy, the king of Egypt, produced a good translation and who, instead of attempting their own translations. Number two, I want you to know that they have completely removed from the translation of Ptolemy's elders many passages which clearly demonstrate that the crucified image is proclaimed as God and man who will be crucified and die from Dialogue 71.3. Dialogue 71.3 makes it clear that the first portion of the citation, that is 71.1, refers once again to the previously mentioned disputed interpretation of Isaiah 7.14. The charge of falsification is once more forcefully repeated in relation to this passage. You dare, however, to falsify even the translation that he's assuming your own elders prepared under Ptolemy. No, those were Judahites, not uh, Edomites, by contending that the scriptures do not read as they are translated. But the young woman will conceive as though it were a reference to dare, however, to falsify even the translation. Uh, I'm sorry, to some great event for a woman to that these are really long lines of text and it's difficult to uh, go five miles from one end to the other. Anyway, some great event for a woman to bear a child as a result of sexual intercourse. All young women, except for the barren, do this. Isaiah's word to King Ahaz refers to a sign. So if if it's going to be a sign, it better be a good sign, right? According to Justin, this can only be true if an extraordinary, wondrous event is associated with this birth since giving birth represents nothing extraordinary for young women. Justin justifies the second portion of his charge of falsification, 71.2, at his dialogue partner's insistence by giving the following four examples. First, he mentions Ezra's exegesis of the Passover law, which is found neither in the manuscripts of the books of Ezra nor in the Apocrypha, and which refers to Christ as the Paschal Lamb. 1 Corinthians 5.7. It conceivably originated in a now-lost Christian Ezra Apocryphon, or as a Christian addition in a text of one or two Ezra, in the context of the Passover festival. Disregard, or it could have been deleted somewhere along the line. Disregarding a few variants, the second example, 72.2, is identical with the Septuagint of Jeremiah 11.19, and is found in all manuscripts. Admittedly, Justin adds that this passage can still be found in a few manuscripts from Jewish synagogues, which they forgot to delete, since it had only been expunged very recently. The third example, 72.4, concerning the descent of Israel's Lord and God to the dead, is also supposed to stem from Jeremiah, but can be found neither in a manuscript of the prophets nor in an apocryphon. Like the Ezra text, it is surely of the Christian origin, perhaps from a Jeremiah apocalypse. The fourth case comes from uh, Psalms 95.10. Justin accuses the Jews of omitting the words, uh, that's Greek, following the phrase, another Greek, because they identify Yahweh and the creator of the world with the crucified Yahshua. There you go. Well, you can't do that. You can't. You can't say that Yahweh is the father of Yeshua. You can't say that. 
But this case, too, concerns a very old Christian edition or something that, that, was, that was lost that appears in only a few translations, a few witnesses to the Septuagint. For Justin, the psalm itself is also an important Christological text, already cited extensively in his Apologia, and also quoted in totality in, totality in Dialogue 73, verses 3 through 4, although now in the traditional Septuagint form. Scarsone correctly concludes that here Justin utilized a Judahite manuscript, of the Septuagint available to him, but which he regarded as falsified because of the absence of this Greek set of words. Anyway, Trifo cautiously rejects the charge that the Jewish leadership had falsified the text. Now, now we're talking, when we're talking about Trifo, we're talking about Edomite Jewish rabbis. For Justin, it is a sin more horrendous than the erection of the golden calf. He is prepared, however, to acknowledge the possibility of his own ignorance. And furthermore, with the exception of Isaiah 7.14, to continue the discussion on the basis of the text recognized by both sides. The Septuagint as Christian scripture is prehistory and the problem of its canon by M. Hengel, R. Dinus, R. Dinus if it's German, and M. E. Biddle, page 31, published 2002 A.D. So we can see there's lots of literature abounding on this topic, Michael, that our Judeo-Christian denominations do totally disregard. Totally disregard. And they simply assume that the Masoretic text is authentic and therefore the King James Version is inerrant. Okay? How's them apples for you, Michael? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but enough to say that the King James in the errant is not really so, maybe not so good, because we know they changed no. out the word Lord, which, uh, they changed out Yahweh to Lord everywhere. Yeah. So that's uh, one yeah. of the first mistakes they had. There are a lot of mistakes in the King James. So Yeah, 8,000 yeah. times, 8,000 times. And they also changed, uh, translate various uh, Hebrew words such as Adam and Ish and Enosh. They translate all those as man as if there's no distinction among the Hebrew words. That's horrible. Yeah, it's Plus butchering. It, 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 they they it make confusion. Yeah, that's right. The King James Version is a butchering of the original Hebrew folks and the original Greek as well. All right, so we're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to play some music. So let's see. Let's go this way. Let's, uh, well, since we're talking about Messiah, let's. And we're just past Christmas. <laughs> My-
All right. Uh, well, welcome back, everybody. And this is, uh, well, we're on Speak Free Radio, simultaneous uh, on Eurofolk Radio. And today we're discussing the difference between the Masoretic Text and the Septuagint, Part 2, a study which is really important for all Christians. Unfortunately, the Judeo-Christian world has no no information, is uh, totally ignorant of this subject, and they falsely assume that the King James Version and many other versions which basically translate it the same way are inerrant, and that's simply not true. That is a, it's a Judeo-Christian lie, and it's also a Jewish lie, okay? So uh, we are being sponsored by Money Tree Publishing, which has a lot of really good books for sale. Six Million, Fact or Fiction, Europa, The Last Battle, uh, in two, uh, in a disc, and in written form, in black and white. The black author understands that the Jews are the problem, not white people. The myth of German villainy, and that is indeed a myth. Mein Kampf, another good book. Henry Ford's The uh, International Jew, The War Against Whites. Jews are the problem, for sure. That's what they are. My own book, The Great Impersonation, How the Antichrist Has Deceived the Whole World, and many others, uh, The Secret Masonic Victory of World War II, the Communism by the Back Door, etc., etc. Really good stuff. So I advise you to go on Hellstorm. Really good stuff. Exploding the Middle East Myths. And, of course, What's Going On, which is A Host and the Parasite by Greg Felton. In the name of Yahweh, by our own Andy Carrington Hitchcock, Synagogue of Satan, etc., and Jewish supremacism. So, folks, there's a lot to choose from there, and I encourage you all to go there when you have a chance and uh, avail yourself of this great literature because we need to have literature available to wake our people up. Now, it's very interesting as uh, we wait for Michael to return, that we what we got in the world is the Jewish world order is beginning to fall apart. There are more and more people making videos and writing articles and having t- uh, you know uh, uh, interviews, uh, audio and video interviews, in which people are saying that the Jews are not the real Israelites, okay? So our message is getting through, and, uh, you know, Please, uh, to the extent you can support Eurofolk Radio, you can also send a donation here to ANP, Post Office Box 3192, Harrison, Arkansas, 72601. Again, that's ANP for American National Publishing. Post Office Box 3192, Harrison, Arkansas, 72601. So we're going to uh, complete this article that we've been studying here, and I'll turn it back over to you, Michael, and we should get done with this article, and then we have another one ready to go. This subject of the Masoretic text versus the Septuagint is of extreme importance. As we've been saying, you cannot understand the Bible if you don't understand that it's a history book. And we have an original version of the Greek translation made by Judahites, not by Edomite Jews, and that's called the Septuagint. It is extremely important that all Christians be aware of this difference between the Septuagint and the Masoretic text. So uh, where did I leave off? I think uh, I was under Section 3, 
I finished part B. If you'll take it up with uh, C and D under you know the larger heading of number three, Michael. Yeah. Okay. So C, quote, a Jewish Christian confrontation concerning the truth and falsification of the common Holy Scripture did indeed arise at a certain point in the period we characterize as Ur Yes Shithage. I cannot really pronounce that one. Okay. Uh, the basis for the conflict is not, however, the translation phenomenon, either in the sense of whether the choice of the Greek uh, equivalent corresponds to the semantics of the Hebrew word in question, as okay. is the case for the divine um, epithet Greek, or in the sense already an unseated in the prologue of the Jesus ben Serach. That uh, translation can never be totally faithful to its original. The point at issue is the uh, bilateral uh, charges of falsification by scripture by means of, of tendencies, additions, or omissions in either original or the translation. The process of translation at most offers new possibilities for such falsification in the translation equivalent may in um, inter, um, name, intern, in, intern, tunely alter the meaning of the original. Uh, as the Christian, uh, supposed that the Jewish trans- translator in the second Christian century placed, um, virgin and uh, young woman in Isaiah 714 in reference to the, uh, mother of Emmanuel. Um, uh, the, the case of the Jewish-Christian conflict about authenticity and falsification of scripture is not to be seen in the existing uh, multi- multiplicity of forms of the text. The continuing uh, comparison of the translation as copy with original recognized by both sides allowed for this multiplicity as the Greek minor prophet's scroll uh, from the time of Paul indicates. On the basis of this evidence, the widely held thesis that the translation efforts of uh, um, Aquila, bracket, Aquila of uh, um, Sinope, 130 AD, and a bracket, to be dated a, f- a few decades later, were prompted by the Jewish Christian dispute concerning falsification of scripture, must be, be newly reconsidered. End of quote. Okay, yeah, and the the word that you stumbled over is Urgeschichte. It's a German word. <laughs> that, uh-huh. That's why you're having trouble. Yeah, okay, which means uh, the, the stories of time. I guess uh, history is another way of translating that word. Okay, all right. Please continue. Uh, bracket the Septuagint as Christian scripture is prehistory and the problem of its canon. M. Hengel or DNS. M. E. Biddle, page 6, 2002, ID, on a bracket. D. Okay. Henry Smith uh, ostensibly comments, quote, the Seder Olam Rabbah, uh, known for its uh, severe reduction of the timeline between the exile and Christ, is the earliest witness to the chronology of uh, M. T. Genesis 5 and 11. 
that is, the earliest witness to the MTs begetting ages is a corrupted second century Jewish history that reduces post-textilic chronology to avoid the Christian interpretation of the Masonic, uh-huh. nay, uh, Masonic prophecy in Daniel 9, 20, uh, okay. verse 26. Okay, so in general, it can be said that uh, Jewish corruptions of the Masoretic text are designed in the main to re- uh, uh, take out any prophecies of the Messiah, anything that might even suggest that uh, Yahshua is the Messiah. Okay, so the, the Masoretic text, although they didn't catch it all, they didn't catch it all because a lot of it was done in parabolic form, such as the uh, he shall be encompassed about by dogs, right? Which is a metaphor for Canaanites, right? The cross was surrounded by Canaanites, etc., etc. So they didn't catch it all because they themselves, being Edomites, were actually new to the Holy Scriptures. They, they, they had to take over the Scriptures, which were not written by them, folks. If you don't understand the fact that the Bible was not written by Edomite Jews or any Jews, then you don't understand the Bible. It was written by Judah and Israel. Back to you, Michael. Yeah, thank you. So, even and that's also so the beauty, I guess, with when when Yahweh inspired the scriptures that they made parables because he knew that the Jews would try to tamper with his text, and then they yeah. couldn't they couldn't understand it. There you go. They can't outsmart Yahweh. <laughs> they can't outsmart him. They try. He okay. knew they would try also. So. Oh yeah, he did. Right. Yeah, and and, and the Masoretic text, the, the the Talmud, is their attempt to outsmart. The creator God, Yahweh. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Even aside from um, considerations of the Seder Olam's um, uh, compromised nature, the earliest witness to the long chronology of Septuagint predates the earliest witness to the MT's short chronology for, uh, by about 400 years. Okay. If the MT's chronology is original, why did it disappear until the 2nd century AD? And why did no, uh, the long chronology prevail in both Hebrew and Greek source until then? Any defender of the MT's number must address this question first. What could have motivated the 2nd century Jews to deflate their sacred chronology so significantly? Prevalent among Jews and early Christians was the belief that the Messiah would arrive during the 6th millennium after creation, between AM 5000 and AM 6000, uh, bracket, AM equals Anu Mundi, uh, br- quote, in the year of the world, and no quote and bracket. The Babylonian Talmud further suggests that according to some Jews, quote, the period of the Messiah, and quote, spanned from AM 4000 to AM 6000. The Septuagint chronology puts the birth of Jesus at CA AM 5500, clearly, quote, qualifying, and quote, him, bracket, with respect to the age of the world and of bracket, uh, to be the Messiah. Many scholars have argued that the Palestinian Jews living in the 2nd century AD shortened the chronology to remove Jesus from the 6th millennium of the world, thereby disqualifying him as the Messiah, bracket, 215 to 16 and 129 and of bracket. 
This reduction is likely reflected in the Seder Olam, which bracket dating uh, creation to 3761 BC and the bracket even managed to put Jesus outside quote the period of the Messiah and the quote while situating the second century Jews right right on the verge of it after all the authors of the Sedar Olam were not opposed to manipulating Jewish chronology for messianic bracket anti-christian and the bracket reasons mm-hmm. Amen. For they, in disputedly reduced the interval between the Babylonian captivity and the Second Temple destruction by about 185 years, supporting the Jewish attempt to correlate the Messianic prophecy in Daniel 9, verses 26, with the events of AD 70, instead of the Jesus with Jesus Christ, we propose then an adequate motive for Palestinian Jewish scribes to alter the sacred text, a motive that is supposed by supported by historical and theological evidence, discrediting uh, the Lord Jesus as Messiah. Judas was facing a crisis of biblical proportions, bracket, literally, and the bracket, during the second century of the Christian era. The gospel of Messiah Jesus was spreading like like wildfire across the Roman world. The temple had been raised to the ground, and the holy city of God had been burned. The rest of the Israel had been ravaged by Roman aggressions in the events of uh, AD 66 to 73 and AD 132 to 136. The small core of Judaism that rose from the ashes had completed an autonomous control over the Hebrew manuscript that survived the Roman devastation, providing ample opportunity for wholesale chronological changes that would go undetectable in latter copies. Most of the world around them would have been unable to read the Hebrew text, greater minimizing their usefulness and dissemination outside Palestinian Judaism. Okay, there you go. I mean, let me read that because this is a very important sentence. The small core of Judaism that rose from the ashes had complete and autonomous control over the Hebrew manuscripts that survived the Roman devastation. So it was only Edomites who had control of the Hebrew manuscripts, providing ample opportunity for wholesale chronological changes that would go undetectable, and not just chronological, but as we've been uh, pointing out, uh, definitions, definitions of words that would go undetectable in later copies. Most of the world around them would have been unable to read the Hebrew text, greatly minimizing their usefulness and dissemination outside Palestinian Judaism. And I would say, Michael, all of Christianity has been laboring under this exclusion, a wholesale perversion of the Hebrew by the Masoretes from this point forward. Back to you. Thank you. So, these remaining manuscripts were the precursors to the Masoretic text, which um, solidified during the last part of the first millennium AD. The circumstances in Palestine during the Middle of the second century AD provided an ideal opportunity for the keepers of the remaining Jewish scriptures to corrupt their texts without leaving behind a trail of whoops oh of evidence okay. in the Hebrew manuscripts 
Numerous church fathers testify to the length to which Orthodox Judaism went to discredit Jesus' messianic office, a phenomenon also recorded throughout the book of Acts. Justin Martyr says that the, that the rabbis deliberately expunged or altered messianic verses from their scripture in their project of discrediting Lord Jesus as Messiah, bracket, A.G. See uh, uh, 71 in the bracket. According to Justin, the second century Jews were still uh, promulgating the lie that the disciplines had stolen Christ's body from the tomb, bracket, Sif Matthew 28, verse 13 to 15, and no bracket. Augustine writes that, quote, the Jews envying us for our translation of their law and prophets have made alterations in their text to undermine the um, authority of ours, and no quote, bracket, Civ 15.11, and no bracket. In the spiritual context, that included the crucifixion of Jesus, the murder of Stephan, mm. the attempted murder of Paul, virulent second century oppositions to the gospel, and the uh, willingness <laughs> to alter and even take away from the word of scriptures, deliberate corruptions of the primeval chronology easily falls within the realms of possibility. The theory that the second century Palestinian Jews deflated the primeval chronology for anti-Christian reasons supplies its mo- the motives, means, and opportunity that no other theory can. And quote. Bracket. Primeval chronology restore, um, restored, revisited uh, the genealogies of Genesis 5 and 11, and Jeremy Sexton, Henry B. Smith, Gerard Bible, and Spade 29, number 2, page 47, 216 AD. End of bracket. Okay, so this document, Ancient Synagogue Archaeological Library Sources, Bible, Jesus, Israel, Judea. It's got a really long title. Pre-70 AD, Justin, Martyr, Patristic Apostolic Church Father, etc. is a wealth of information of how the Jews have distorted the Hebrew Scriptures, and it's called the Masoretic Text. Okay? I mean, this is just phenomenal, folks. Absolutely phenomenal the information contained in this document here. And uh, let's see, we're at, uh, yeah, I think we can get this in and uh, begin the other article. So let me take number four, the Zippori connection. A, at Zippori, a very small number of Hebrew manuscripts existed and were in the sole possession of those who were changing the Septuagint, okay? Now, who had sole possession of those Hebrew manuscripts, Michael? What are we being told here? Well, we did have the the, the, the original one from the Septuagint. Yeah, from the Septuagint. But the, uh, but the Hebrew manuscripts were... Aha, uh-huh, that's Jewish. That was that's Jewish. Jewish. There you go, okay? You see how you have to carefully read? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Me. Otherwise, yeah. Now, right. now I was looking for this book that you that was in, oh, the, in the right. see if you could yeah. find the book. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. I was caught. Yeah, you got yeah distractions everywhere. We have a direct line from Yose Ben Halafta, who authored Seder Olam Rabbah at Zippori to the corrupting of the Hebrew Bible at Zippori to the Mishnah at as written at Zippori in 200 A.D. To the Tiberian Masoretes, 
250 to 900 AD, who preserved the corruption down to the present day with their Masoretic text manuscript that dates to 1008 AD. Okay, so Yosef uh, ben Halafta, they have the, the, the documentation that the rabbis altered this, the text. Okay, C. Add to the Zippori connection who would have had to be Zippori to study and learn Hebrew. Quote, Akila of Sinope around 130 AD. Gentile, he was probably he was probably a Judahite, then excommunicated as a Christian. He might have been one of those uh, hanging on Judahite rabbis who then was excommunicated as a Christian, converted to Judaism. Yeah, again, around this time, I'd say up to 200 AD, there were probably still a few true Judahites mixed in with the Edomite rabbis. I would say after this time, there was very likely that the two groups would have mixed anymore. The, the uh, Judahite uh, would have uh, died out, and the uh, you know, what do you call it? The Edomites would have continued on. Okay, let's let's continue here. Aquila's name must have been common in antiquity since it is attested in the apostolic age. This translator was a gentle, a Gentile supposedly by birth. So he was probably uh, one of the dispersed of the 12 tribes by birth and came from Sinope, a Roman colony in Pontus. Epiphanius provides more details about his life. He lived during the reign of the emperor Hadrian, 117 to 138 to whom he was related. He was probably his brother-in-law. From the Dialogue of Timothy and Aquila, page 117, according to the Pseudo-Athanasius, uh, according to Pseudo-Athanasius in the Chronicon Pascale. Okay. So, I mean, there's a wealth of documentation and documents we could probably still access if we choose to. Hadrian commissioned him to supervise the building of Aelia Capitolina on the Esplanade of Jerusalem, and there he was converted to Christianity under the influence of those returning from Pella. Well, he was a Judahite then. He was either a Judahite or one of the dispersion, no doubt. However, he was excommunicated by Christians since he refused to give up astrology. Oh, no. There's a lot of Christians who, give, who don't want to give up astrology. Out of resentment, he underwent circumcision, devoting himself to learning Hebrew in order to translate the Bible into Greek with the aim of displacing the Septuagint, which was at the time represented Christian interpretation. The Septuagint in context, introduction to the Greek version of the Bible, Marcos and Fernandez, page 11, 2000 AD. D. Jews discard the Greek Septuagint and start corrupting their Hebrew Bible our Hebrew Bible, for anti-Christian purposes. E. Soon, the Jews discarded the Greek Septuagint altogether and adopted the Hebrew Proto-Masoretic Tanakh in spite of the fact that the Hebrew had been functionally extinct from the entire Jewish population, or Judahite population, for 5,000 years, and nobody in any synagogue could even read it. Okay, that's our people who couldn't read it. Obviously, the Jewish rabbis made efforts to learn Hebrew, and still uh, do speak Hebrew today. And so why don't you take five and six, and I'll take the conclusion, and then we'll go to the other documents we have 
lined up for today. Over to you. Okay. Five, Justin Martyr may have been unaware that the very Jews who had corrupted the, the synagogue uh, Septuagint were also making changes to their own Hebrew quote, pre-corrupted Masoretic text, MT. And the bracket. There you go. There you go. Um, and six, yeah. summary of the Jewish corruption of their own Greek uh, synagogue Bible. It's not their own Greek synagogue no, it is. Bible. Yeah, right. So it's one. ours, right. Yeah. It's ours, yeah. Mm. A, the changes were made in the Greek Septuagint. B, the Septuagint was a Jewish document that had been universally used by Jews since 282 BC. Wrong, not not Jewish, Judite. Yeah, exactly. C, Justin found it unconscionable and indefensible that the Jews in his day, would reject the very Greek uh, Tanakha, used by their own forefathers. Okay, so it tells me here that Justin did not understand that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were actually Edomites, not Judahites. Okay? It's possible that Justin did not understand that. Back to you. The Tanakh uh, uh, scrolls that had been changed were the very ones that used it for formal Sabbath worship in the synagogue. Okay. E. The changes were made recently, bracket, 150 AD, and a bracket. F. Many copies of the Greek Isaiah, uh, bracket, Tanakh, and a bracket, had already been corrupted. G. A few uncorrupted copies would still be found in a few synagogues. H. Especially, the Greek word for virgin in Isaiah 7, verse 14, was changed to, quote, Behold, a young woman shall conceive, and no quote. Okay. All right. Well, um, go ahead and take your conclusion. We have a, a couple of paragraphs here. But, but let me just say that this differentiation between Edomite rabbis and Judahite priests must be kept in mind at all times. And obviously the authors of this document have no idea as to the fact that there is a difference between an Edomite Pharisee and a Judahite priest. Okay. But they were both in existence in that 100-year period between the, uh, the day that John Hyrcanus started circumcising Edomites and allowing them to infiltrate our people and our religion and uh, by 70 AD. So in other words, when just the 100 years before Yahshua walked the earth and the 70 years after he was born, it was in this period that you have a combination of Judahite priests and Edomite rabbis, okay? Edomite fake priests, in other words. And you have to be able to distinguish between those two to understand what's going on here. Obviously, the authors of this document have no such understanding. Back to you. Thank you. So, conclusion. Only hopes for Jews today become a Christian. No, (laughs) not happening. No, the Edomites will be destroyed. They can't be saved. That's another thing they don't understand. Okay. Become a Christian today. Abraham and your Messiah, Jesus, are waiting for you. One, any Torah-observing Jew today can become Christian by becoming obedient to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And the correction is the Torah is ours, and yeah, right. the Jews can't observe it, so it's yeah, ours. 
Yeah. They, they, why would they corrupt the, uh, the Hebrew into the Masoretic text if they had any uh, any inkling of observing the, the Yahweh's laws? Exactly. Okay? They, yeah. Okay. And they follow their own distortions of the law, not the actual law itself. All right. Back to you. Yes. So, two, Jews, Muslims, Hindus, atheists, and unbelievers are all in the identical lost spiritual condition. Three, replacement theology does not exclude physical Jews from the covenant of Abraham. It merely spiritualizes it. Well, they're not in the covenant, so forget it. No, no, they aren't. Yeah, if you're not in the covenant, you're (laughs) you're not in the covenant. If you're hot, you're hot. If you're not, you're not. Period. All right. Number four. Anybody today can become a true Israel by. Oh, oh, no, this is universalism here. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, I don't think we need to bother with this. No. Uh, so this last uh, paragraph is about uh, bringing non-Israelites into the fold. No, no, sorry, folks. Yeah, that's that's a waste of time. All right, so let's uh, let's get this other document, okay? And this is, okay, this is Masoretic. Versus Septuagint, gun li- guns, rather, lies and forgery. So let me copy this and put it in the chat room so everybody can follow along. And this is really another outstanding document. Control-V. All right. And so uh, I have to switch to my other browser. To find us, here it is. Okay. And so this is uh, Masoretic versus Septuagint, Guns, Lies, and Forgeries, a Bible story by Robert E. Rice. If you pronounce it in German, the E comes before the I, and it's pronounced uh, as a long I. Once upon a time, there was a tribe living in the Middle East that had a collection of sacred texts written in Hebrew, Chaldean, and Aramaic. It is the nature of sacred texts to be venerated and transmitted from generation to generation unaltered. And that's absolutely true. But I already I perceive. Well, so what was the tribe, Michael, that possessed these sacred texts in the, in the old days? What was the name of that tribe? Was it Judahites or was it Jews? Oh, okay. Michael must have stepped away. Let me see here. Ah, oh, sorry. I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So who, who possessed those uh, ancient texts that were in Hebrew, Chaldean, and Aramaic? Who was, in the Hebrew, that was, was our our people yeah, did that. It's our people, yeah. The yeah. true Judahites and the true Israelites, not, yes. not Jews, okay? No right. Jews have done it. Yeah. Next paragraph. As time passed, members of this tribe emigrated to areas where Hebrew and Aramaic and Chaldean were not spoken, all right, they came to Palestine. A large community settled and prospered in the city of Alexandria in Egypt. Greek replaced their tribal language. They needed an accurate translation of their venerated documents into Greek, okay? So he's talking about the Judahites of the Old Testament and New Testament, for that matter, many of whom had migrated to Alexandria and to Rome. And but but their new language was either Greek or Latin, and they no no longer spoke Hebrew or even Aramaic for, or Chaldean. Okay, so since their language changed, it was easy for the Jewish 
rabbis to fool them by making changes in the in those three languages. Okay, so uh, I hope everybody's getting the picture of how the fact that we start we started speaking new languages and forgot our old languages that the Jews could now easily corrupt the documents that were contained in our old tradition. Let's continue. They needed an accurate translation of their venerated documents into Greek. Around 250 BC, 70, well, he says rabbis, 70 elders, I would say, not rabbis, 70 elders or priests translated the sacred text into Greek. This translation was not a bootleg edition. The project was approved by the high priests and the Judahite Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. The Septuagint, the translations of the 70, was an official document of Judah, folks. It was an official Judahite document. Thank you very much. The Hebrew Bible exists today. It is used by Jews because we don't have the actual Hebrew. It is everywhere. It is called the Masoretic Text. It was compiled around 700 A.D. It is almost 1,000 years newer than the Septuagint, so it's quite obviously not an original document, folks. It can't be original because the Jews altered it. That's what the point we're trying to get across. The Masoretic Text is a doctored, corrupted version of the original Hebrew. And as we've been saying, they tried to doctor the Septuagint as well, but there were too many copies of it in existence, and the Christians would not stand for a corrupted version of the Septuagint. The rabbis who compiled the Masoretic Text were not accountable to the high priest in Jerusalem. Very good. There no longer was a high priest. The rabbis who compiled the Masoretic text were not accountable to the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, and to the extent there was a Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, it was primarily Edomites and uh, possibly some Sadducees, but very few pure-blooded Judahites. There no longer was a Sanhedrin, not a pure-blooded Judahite Sanhedrin anymore. There may have been a rabbinical Edomite Sanhedrin still in existence. The Septuagint predates the first appearance of the Masoretic text by almost 10 centuries. The Septuagint is based on Hebrew texts at least 12 centuries older than the text upon which the Masoretic version is based. Yet modern Christian translations of the Old Testament rely on the Masoretic text, not the Septuagint. So where is the problem? I'll turn that over to you, Michael. The, the big problem. Now, where are the problems, the multifarious problems, is how I would put it. All right, over to you. Thank you. So, most of the quotations from the Old Testament in the New Testament use the Septuagint as their primary source. The integrity and truthfulness of the Septuagint is completely dependent upon the Septuagint being a truthful translation. Discredit the Septuagint, and there is no New Testament. There was no controversy about the integrity of the Septuagint from 250 BC until 135 AD. What had happened to provoke dissatisfaction with the Septuagint among the Jews? Uh, because it's not their text, so they want to distort it. Unless yes. an uh, 
Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin had rejected the uh, messianic claims of Jesus, the New Testament document had been written and were circulating by AD 70. The Jews knew that the credibility of the Christian gospel depended on the credibility of the Septuagint. Something had to be done around 95 AD. Okay, so what we've been learning this morning, if nothing else, is that the Edomite Jews realized that the Septuagint was standing in their way of corrupting the Bible. Okay, so they had to discredit the Septuagint, even though we still possess copies. Although I would say even today, Michael, that the copies of the Septuagint we have today have been adjusted to correspond to the Masoretic text. A lot of people don't realize that. They have corrupted the Septuagint as well. However, most of the Septuagint in its original form still exists and cannot be corrupted. It, it cannot be corrupted, and we will see to it that it is not corrupted. But even some of those translations uh, by various authors, translators, have falsely assumed, well, the Masoretic text must be more accurate because it's in Hebrew, and therefore have uh, trans- retranslated the Septuagint to correspond with the Masoretic. That's false. That's absolutely false. The original Septuagint is way more credible than any Masoretic text in existence. Back to you. Around 95 AD, Rabbi uh, Akiva, who later proclaimed Bar um, Koshba as the Messiah, hired a man named Aquila to translate a Hebrew to Greek version of the Old Testament that would undermine the messianic claims of Jesus founded in the Septuagint. Some scholars believe that the Masoretic text was based in part on this uh, Tengius translation by Aquila. Okay, very good. So we see that the original motivation was to disprove the divinity of Christ. That was the original motivation of the Masoretic rabbis. Back to you. Oh, yeah. So how is the Masoretic text different from the Septuagint? Psalm 22:16, the word, quote, pierced, and unquote, has been replaced by, quote, uh, Leon, and unquote. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Uh, Psalms 145, verse 13, omitted entirely. Omitted entirely. How about that? Hmm. Okay. Isaiah 53, verses 11, the word, quote, light is omitted. End of quote. Okay, I got to look that one up. Why would they omit the word light? <laughs> because there is no light in them, maybe? <laughs> right? Okay, so it's 53, 11. Uh, please continue. I'm going to look that up. Um, on 134 occasions, the Tetragrammaton, the name of God, has been replaced by, quote, Adonai, end of quote. Mm-hmm. Oh, way, way more versions than that. Okay, yeah. Right. And then we have Psalms 151 was omitted entirely, bracket. It is now omitted by almost all Christian Bibles, end of bracket. Mm-hmm. Exodus 1, the number 75 replaced by 70. Okay. Uh, Genesis 10, verses 24, some generations removed. All right. So you can see that these are perfect examples of what what the Masoretes have done to the original Hebrew. Yes. And then Deuteronomy 32, verses 8, quote, angels of Elohim, and the quote, replaced with, quote, children of Israel, and the quote. Ah. Okay. 
then we have Jeremiah 10, verses 6 and 7, have been added in the Masoretic text. I wish we were angels. <laughs> All right, I'm looking at Isaiah 53, 11, and I don't see where the word light even would have been. I'll just read it as it is in the Masoretic, because that's what uh, Esort is. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and maybe the word light belongs in there, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge, shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. This is obviously a prediction of Messiah. For he shall bear their iniquities. Okay. So I don't know where the word light would have been in the original Hebrew, but somewhere in this verse. Okay, back to you. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's continue then. So, Deuteronomy uh, 32, verses 8. I had read. Then it is Psalms 96, uh, verses 10. Quote, Say among the nations, um, YHWH reigns from the wood, and quit, omitted. Okay. So, there's another instance of Yahweh omitted. You know, most of them are replaced by L-O-R-D, but the authors here are saying that here it's totally omitted, not even translated falsely. Yep. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, then we have Isaiah 19, verses 18. Uh, quote, the city of righteousness changed to the, quote, city of the sun, end of quote, or in the versions, quote, the city of the destruction, end of Ooh. quote. Oh, wow, that's a major... Major uh, retranslation there from city of righteousness to city of destruction or city of the sun. Wow. I mean, so you can see the liberties the Masoretes have taken in translating the Old Testament, distorting it. And then that's before it's even translated. Okay. They, tra- they distorted the Hebrew, which is now falsely translated into English and other European languages. Back to you. Yes. Uh, just a question: What yeah. uh, uh, was the word "light"? Was that one the the, the, the redacted in Isaiah fifty three eleven? Yes. And you don't light. have you, you don't have light in that verse. It's not it's not in the uh, Masoretic at all. I, f- I think I have one translation where I have the word "light" in. Oh, okay. So I, can, I can read the 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 word. Yeah. The, if, uh, if you've got it, yeah. Yeah. Please. So Isaiah fifty three eleven and the Lord willed by his hand to remove mystery of his soul to show to him light mm. and, to sh- and to shape in the understanding to justify the just one the good one serving many and their sins he shall bear. All right, okay. So that's where the light word light should be, but it is not because the Masoretes have removed it. From the Hebrew. Okay, folks? Perfect. Well, well done. Okay. Please um, continue. We have about 10 minutes left. Okay. Yeah. And yes, that is this Bible, Apostolic, uh, uh, Apostolic Bible Polygot. Okay. All right. That Very is good. the name on the Bible. So you can download it on eSword. And then you have that. That has the Septuagint as its basics. That's why it's, it's good to have multiple versions of the Bible. Because the Masoretic text has been so corrupted, it's virtually unreliable. 
Okay, but you have to, in order to read the Masoretic text, which is your KJV, you, you better have a concordance handy. Okay, you had better have a concordance handy if you hope to understand it. Back to you. Yes. Okay, let's continue. Uh, the Masoretic scribes purposely and willfully rearrange the renal chapter order in the prophetic book of Daniel. Ah, ah, okay, I was wondering why it was so out of order. Okay. So Very that the chapters make no sense chronologically. Right, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. They are, they are, they are, they are very obscured and obscured. They are very, they are very confusing <laughs> to read. That's right. Um, yeah, because I, th I think the reason they did that is they want to confuse the prophecy of the coming of Messiah. That's why they did that. Okay, and uh, Daniel is uh, the one book in Scripture that the Jews, the rabbis, never read in synagogue. They will quote it for our benefit so they can pretend to uh, rely on it, but they don't. Uh, they do not rely on the book of Daniel at all because there are so many prophecies of Messiah contained in that book. Back to you. Isaiah 61, verses 1, uh, quote, recovery of slight to the blind. Sight, yeah. sight, sight to the blind, end yeah. of quote, omitted. Yeah. In Psalms 30, verses 6, quote, a body you have prepared for me, end of quote, was replaced by, quote, you open my ears, end of quote. Oh, wow. That's a horrible change. Yeah. <laughs> no, no similarity in meaning whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. Deuteronomy 32, verses 43, let all the messengers of Elohim worship him, omitted. Oh, man. Genesis 4, verses 8, quote, let us go into the field, and no quote, is omitted. Ah, that's when Cain is luring out Abel. Ah, right. Well, let's go into the field. Yeah, the, that uh, whack job, Cain, <laughs> right? Who was the offspring of Satan, folks. He wasn't a normal person. He was a hybrid. Back to you. Yeah, and you have to say, I just look at this one too. In in this one, I looked and it had that that is in here. Let us go into the plane. So yeah. it's uh, so it's in this one you can find those one that is omitted. Right. Okay. Very good. Uh, okay. Then this Deuteronomy thirty-two verses forty-three. Moses' song is shortened. Huh. Okay. Shortened okay. the song. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Use. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's I say creative editing. Creative <laughs> yeah. editing. Yeah. Um, Isaiah 53 contains 10 spelling differences, four stylistic changes, three missing letters, four light in verses 11, for wow. a total of 17 differences. Three uh, missing letters for light in verse. Oh, okay. We talked about uh, that verse already. So, yeah, okay. So, yeah, there are certain verses they really didn't like. And rather than omit them altogether, although they ha have uh, omitted phrases from verses, but I know that there's verses they admitted entirely. They, they totally omitted certain verses of Scripture also. All right, back to you. Isaiah 7, verses 14. Virgin replaced by young women. 
uh, bracket, when Aquila made his Greek translation of the Old Testament at the behest of Rabbi Akiva, he changed the Septuagint's quote, virgin, and quote, into quote, young women, and quote. Mas- Masoretic compilers may have followed his lead. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I- I- even if they didn't, they, they did made the change anyway. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Creative editing. Yeah, okay. the, the Masoretic text differs from the Septuagint in hundreds of places. Amen. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to read? Okay, yeah. Uh, how do we know which text is accurate? Well, we can compare it to history, folks. That's why the Bible is a history book. So is the Septuagint. And the Septuagint contains many, many more verses with, by which we can compare history and compare other uh, forms such as the Dead Sea Scrolls. Fortunately, we do have a complete version of the of the book of Isaiah in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and we'll probably do analysis of that in the near future, probably, probably next week, okay? So how do we know which text is accurate? The Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered just after World War II. According to carbon data, dating, textual analysis, and handwriting analysis, The documents were written at various times between the middle of the 2nd century B.C. and the 1st century A.D. By the way, this was the time when the Edomite Pharisees were taking control under Herod of the temple. There are fragments from all of the books of the Hebrew Bible fragments except the book of Esther and the book of Nehemiah. Very interesting. In addition... In addition, an independent Aramaic translation of the Hebrew Bible exists. It's called the Peshitta. Control of the Dead Sea Scrolls was a military objective of the Israelis. We're talking about the modern era, folks, here. Was a military goal of the Jews. It was achieved by their victory in the Six Days War. The publication of the scrolls slowed to a trickle after the Jews took control of it because the Jews did not want the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls coming out. That's why the that was one of the objectives of the war. Actually, the publication of the scrolls slowed to a trickle. After 1971, the international team even refused to allow the publication of photographs of the material. They excluded scholars who wanted to make independent evaluations. In other words, scholars not approved by the Jews. Where have you seen that before? The embargo was not broken until 1991, so for 20 years, the Jews were able to put the kibosh on the Dead Sea Scrolls. In addition to the Dead Sea Scrolls, scholars can use the Peshitta to decide between the Masoretic text and the Septuagint. I have never thought of that. I do have a copy of the Peshitta. I have given examples above of some of the places the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Peshitta, and the Septuagint agree. The Masoretic text is part of a tradition that began with Rabbi Akiva. Rabbis rewrote the Jewish, uh, the, the Judahite Israelite Bible to destroy the credibility of the New Testament. Very good. And the credibility of the Old Testament. The Hebrew versions of the Old Testament have been used to proclaim scores of messiahs. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Jews have had plenty of messiahs, none of whom could walk on water. And the Septuagint was only used once. Well, we're reviving the Septuagint, aren't we, folks? All right. Two really wonderful documents explaining 
the fact that the Septuagint is far superior to the Masoretic text with plenty of examples and plenty of historicity behind it and the witness of Justin Martyr, who already engaged the the Masoretic rabbis uh, for their distortions of the Hebrew text and the Septuagint text. Wonderful, folks. Absolutely wonderful. Your comment at this point, Michael, we have a few minutes left to go. No, I think this is, uh, for me, very interesting to see this in the Septuagint, how this has been altered. And also we can see that we can find traces of how it, uh, in other Bibles, we can see the importance of using, to using different biblical texts here. When we can look here in Eastward, and using Eastward is a fantastic tool to finding uh-huh. and, and just comparing the, the verses. We can find those, those verses that the Jews have omitted. Yes, yeah, and Swamp Fox says the word light is in the Septuagint version of Isaiah 53.11, but it's missing from the Masoretic, okay? So I think we are driving home the point that the Masoretic text is untrustworthy be precisely because it is Jewish and not Judahite or Israelite in origin, and we need to be paying attention to the differences between the Septuagint and the Masoretic text. We're running out of time. Thank you, Michael. Stay t- so Those of you on SFR, stay tuned for the David and Duke show. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. Wake up, Christian Israel. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Be-